Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Scholarly Communication, the podcast about how knowledge gets known. I'm Daniel Shea, your host for today's interview with Joseph Cheadle, who is director of the Writing and Media Center at Iowa State University. The Writing and Media Center strives to inspire students, staff, faculty, and community members to develop in all forms of communication by promoting the values of critical thinking, creativity, and lifelong learning. Consultants at the Writing and Media Center collaborate with all clients in order to achieve growth in written, oral, visual, and electronic communication. It's a long list, the list of communication forms the center serves, group projects, presentations, speeches, websites, multimedia projects, videos, grants, resumes, cover letters, graduate school applications, job applications, and the center pursues the broader aims of inspiring creativity in people's communication, as well as achieving holistic success for their clients. The Writing and Media Center is, of course, open to all students, staff, and community members, and consultants value inclusivity as a foundation to what the work that they do. The center also conducts research as a way of improving services and contributing to ongoing scholarly conversations in the field of writing center studies. The center's main goal is to help people communicate their thoughts, accomplishments, and future goals as clearly as possible to their target audience. So let's begin the conversation. Joseph Cheadle and Writing and Media Center. Joseph, welcome to Scholarly Communication. Thank you so much, Daniel. I'm really happy to join you today. Uh, Very many writing centers have developed into media centers, which is part of your name, Um, also communication centers, and you'll see other variations on that. And this makes sense today because really it's all about communication, isn't it? Um, However, I do anyway see a special place there for writing in the communication that a person needs either in academia or in the sorts of occupations that a person is typically going to find after they've obtained a college degree. So how would you position yourself on this point, namely that writing is 
let's say, the complex form of thinking and communicating that lays the groundwork for the forms of thinking and communicating about complex things in other forms, other ways. Yeah, thank you, Daniel. That's a great question. <clears throat> I think writing centers, you know, to go back to the idea of writing versus uh, kind of broader communication, I think writing centers have um, kind of been pigeonholed into just thinking about just writing um, because of their name. I think a lot of us in the field think of ourselves more as kind of communication centers or composition centers and have a much broader idea of what we work with. Um, so trying to work with that kind of wove spectrum of written, oral, visual, and electronic communication. Um, and so writing is kind of the, the one of the things we work with, but I think we, we really want to try to make sure we view ourselves as kind of these much broader, um, broader systems within the institution. Um, and then writing, yeah, is, is kind of the bread and butter of what writing centers do, right? They were originally created to work with composition classrooms um, and to really assist in um, writing originally. Um, and that was before, you know, computers and, um, you know, being able to do presentations and electronic communication. And so you are right that writing centers really strive or really kind of are, are centered on uh, the writing process. And I think that's also because there's so much tied with first year composition courses. Um, and so they often work really closely with those first year composition courses and, and work with the writing that's going on in those courses as well. Hmm. So that what I'm hearing then is uh, the history of the writing center is developing. Um, as, as, as we know, it's, it's, it's beginnings, well, they reach back practically into the end of the 19th century. But in any case, by mid 20th century, writing centers were certainly cropping up all across um, universities in America. And they began, as, as you say, very much as the process in dealing with text on paper <laughs> in those days. And uh, But would, would it be safe to say, though, in, right now in the 2020s, um, it's, it's communication more generally. We don't need to see text as the basis for what it is that you're doing there in a writing center. Yeah, exactly. Um, so one of the things that, that I've looked at is, in thinking about the history of the writing centers is that there was kind of a, a shift in writing centers in the 1990s um, where they began to be created at, at almost every institution. And then around, you know, there were some people doing it in the 2000s, but the really big shift, I think, occurred around 2010 um, when writing centers or kind of the, the proliferation of kind of these electronic communication methods, um, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, um, PowerPoint presentations, like those, 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 yeah, so those have been around for a while. But I think that the proliferation and importance of those really made writing centers broaden their scope to think about all forms of communication. And additionally, like, I think writing centers looked around the institution and were like, nobody's working on these things. Like nobody's setting up a center directly for communication. Um, nobody is doing PowerPoint presentations or speeches. Um, and so if nobody was doing those things, I think writing centers saw an opportunity to really broaden outside of that writing component. And then I think what that did is it gave writing centers the cachet to be able to say that we work with more than just first year writing, right? We can work with, um, you know, we can work with your presentations that you have to do, pitches. Um, we can work with visuals. Um, we can work with websites that you're developing. We can work with your LinkedIn bios, those kind of things. And so writing centers were able to kind of um, claim those spaces and are in the process still of claiming those spaces. That's a very recent date, 2010. And uh, what, what jumps out at me there is uh, 
writing center, uh, the writing center's awareness of what's going on. And, and this brings us back again, deep into the history. It was something that just wasn't thought about. Yeah. How you write or how it is that you communicate the content of your field. And here at this so watershed of 2010, we're dealing again with the same awareness that the writing center picks up on. Just as you say, looking around, nobody else at the university is really considering these things. I mean, this is probably one of those age-old divides between the writing center and and all the different faculties and departments. Uh, faculties and departments tend to, I'm, I'm generalizing here, but I'm sure you'll get my gist and you can expand on it. Faculties and departments tend to, you know, remind people of their subject content, right? The actual biology, the novels that were written in the 19th century. And then you've got on the other end, the writing center, which is, we'll tell you how to do all of that. But they don't have, from a department's view anyway, a core. Is, it, it, do, you, do you see in that uh, potential for collaboration or potential for conflict or potential for something else? Yeah, I really see it as an opportunity to um, to collaborate. I, I think that um, too often um, departments focus too much on just the content of what's being created, not realizing that the way that content gets conveyed is just as important as the content itself. Um, and so I often think of what are the kind of transferable things that we can work with in writing centers, like an introduction is going to make certain moves regardless of the field that you're in. A conclusion is going to make certain moves regardless of the field that you're in. Um, everything always needs evidence. Um, you know, you have to be able to cite sources. Uh, you have to have transitions and topic sentences, uh, complete paragraphs. So I think of these things as kind of transferable things that writing centers can work on without that disciplinary knowledge. Um, and then I think there's opportunities to really work with um, disciplinary knowledge. Um, for example, you know, Elena Kotos, who's um, uh, my colleague here at Iowa State University, um, her, her writings or her uh, communication center really works with disciplinary knowledge. So people are able to go to um, graduate students in particular, are able to go to the um, Center for Communication Excellence and work with somebody who is an expert in their field and has that disciplinary knowledge. So I think you see some writing centers really trying to cross that disciplinary divide. Um, and then I think there also is a lot of... Um, a lot of importance and a lot of things writing centers can do even without that disciplinary knowledge. Um, and, and hopefully people are seeing that. And I think that's one of the things that, that we really work at uh, at Iowa State University is um, developing those collaborative partnerships through all of our different programs um, to show that we um, have some disciplinary knowledge, but also can just work with anybody throughout the institution. Yeah, this is something that's come up on this program quite often with very different guests, guests from uh, writing centers, guests uh, who have written um, writing guides. For instance, I just had Stephen Hurd on, and he himself is uh, uh, in, in the biological sciences. He's a scientist himself, written a guide, though, on writing. And he said that he wanted his guide, though, to be for all scientific fields. And he very often was working then with texts, trying to get a sense as to what he's saying about how a biologist would write will have meaning for the physicist or the, the chemist or someone else out there in some other field. And, and he said that he often actually got the impression that being the outsider gave him a clearer view of the communication. 
And this is just one example. Again, as I've said, I've, I've, I've encountered people from def- very different walks of, of uh, the area of writing studies or interest in writing who've, who've said similar things. So I suppose that positions a communication expert, which is what people I think at writing centers would consider themselves to be, very well, actually, to be working in the disciplines. Yeah, absolutely. And I think of, you know, one of the things that writing centers can really do with kind of, you know, deep disciplinary knowledge um, that that's outside of their realm is that they can work on the style aspects of writing. So the things that make something appealing to read, appealing to see, appealing to hear is something that writing centers can really accomplish even without that deep disciplinary knowledge. Um, and also just kind of like, as I said before, those kind of rhetorical moves that occur um, th- throughout disciplines, right, or go, go across disciplines um, that, that people have to make. Um, writing centers are really well positioned to be able to talk to people about that and to guide them through that process, um, even without that deep disciplinary knowledge. I just gave a... Um, um, a presentation or a workshop for um, STEM uh, STEM writers um, or STEM students, excuse me. And one of the things I talked about there was the types of moves that are made in introductions and then the types of moves that are made in conclusions. Um, and, and I didn't really talk about the methods and um, the, the results sections because those are going to be so kind of disciplinary specific and are going to differ from discipline to discipline. But the moves that are made in an introduction and a conclusion are going to be the same throughout most disciplines. Um, And so we're able to find these kind of commonalities that people um, are working on across disciplines um, and to be able to work with them on those on those aspects, even if we don't have that deep disciplinary knowledge. So it's it's important to be able to say, like, what we can do, which is, um, you know, these rhetorical moves. And then we have to be able to say what we can't do, which is sometimes that deep disciplinary knowledge. Um, but I think of, you know, each discipline is, th- that person's the expert in that discipline in most cases. So so it's hard to tell them, you know, what that disciplinary knowledge should be. Yeah, and and, and this is also, though, uh, this sort of circles me back around to, to my, my first issue there of, the the writing in the writing center. I mean, we we've, we've clearly moved on to it being communication. Although, even your last example shows that in academia, very much of that communication does, in fact, occur in written form, despite all of our multimedia um, landscape uh, when it comes to to research. But it does make me think that, um, and I'd be really interested to hear what you have to say about this. It does make me think that for somebody's education, writing seems to take on. A, take up a special place in that person's education. It seems to always, let's say, form some of that person's thinking, even if we could go so far as that. And and I, I suppose that this is the wonderful service of a writing center or other writing professionals at a university is that they notice that because it's very often the case that people in the disciplines don't notice that. A, a very quick example, just to, to, to um, illustrate what I'm trying to say here, Hillary glassman Deal, who I had on here from um, Imperial College London, she was talking about how, for instance, in the results section that you were just referring to, um, there scientists will often say, no, well, well, we don't evaluate what we're coming up with. That's, that's not what we're doing there. We're just trying to present the results in a way so that the data speak for themselves. 
And then she'll carefully go through it and point out all the places where they happen to be actually evaluating <laughs> these results. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that because you're a disciplinary expert doesn't mean that you're an expert in everything that you're doing. And to have somebody else stand by your side and show you some of these things so that, let's say, the next generation of experts can do it perhaps better or as good as you, and you yourself can understand better what it is that you're doing. I mean, this is this is a win-win situation, isn't it? Yes, I agree. And and to go to go back to that idea, you know, all disciplines do writing. And I think there's some disciplines, you know, some students will come to the writing center, like say a business student will come to the writing center and say, I don't do writing. I don't have to write. I don't have anything in it that I'm working on that, that I could use at a writing center. And we have to go back and say, actually, you know, writing is the basis of much of what you do. You might be writing uh, a memo, a report. Um, you might be writing um, something technical, um, but all of these things are writing. And so actually students, regardless of the discipline, um, do have that in common is that they are writing all the time. Um, they might be writing non, you know, they might be thinking of, of, of writing um, as only kind of a, their composition courses, but in fact, they're writing all the time. And then to go back to that idea of, of, um, of uh, evidence or kind of talking about your results, I, I think results um, from research almost never speak from themselves. You always have to interpret and provide explanations and meaning and analysis for those results. So I totally agree with, with the, um, the person who was talking about that in your previous, um, your previous interview. Yeah, this what you say there about the business student is 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 um, a situation that I've also run into as well, and uh, it's 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 kind of one of those questions of what people have in their minds, and this is an issue I certainly wanted to broach with you today. We might as well then now uh, what people have in their minds when they think of what writing is, and very often their minds are going to go to literature, and at best after that to the humanities, right? Those heavy writing fields. And they miss a lot of the sorts of writing that you've just been referring to that everyone throughout any field, I mean, even the mathematicians are writing. And um, I guess that brings me to the, that larger question of perceptions of the writing center and actual realities of the writing center. Um, I wonder if that's something that you could perhaps uh, flesh out for us a bit. Yeah, I mean, that's a, a great question, because I think that that's something that writing centers have been kind of pushing against um, for the entire time that they've been around. Um, I, I go back to thinking about my uh, students that I worked with at Case Western Reserve University, um, and these were engineering students who were um, you know, doing grants. They were writing for grants. They were writing um, speeches um, for pitches for, for entrepreneurship. Um, they were writing reports. They were writing technical, um, you know, guides. And so, in fact, these students who probably thought they don't do that much writing um, were actually writing all the time. Um, and then to that question of perception, you know, I, I think that, again, to go back to that name of the writing center, um, you know, it's kind of a misnomer of what we do. It's more of a communication center. And I think of, I think of, how writing centers are often positioned within the institution is that they're often kind of tied very closely to first year composition courses or first year and second year composition courses. And I think that that um, then puts the writing center at a place where they have to continually push back against that idea that we're there for first year composition. Um, and so it just becomes like 
kind of a never ending process of educating people about what we do and how we do it. But the nice thing is that once people actually interact and engage with our resources, um, they often see that, oh, the writing center is so much more than what they thought it was. Um, and so I think that's kind of that push of, you know, when, I, when we talked at the beginning of the of this interview about, um, you know, writing centers and writing as the center of it, you know, I, I think that that continues to be something that writing centers then have to push back against to say like, no, 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 we don't just do writing. We do all of these other forms of communication and writing is kind of too tight, too tightly um, connected to first year composition. I think that that's something that writing centers have to continually push back against to educate people that in fact, we can work on all forms of writing. We can work on all uh, kind of years of writing and we can work on um, all forms of communication. Yeah, these all forms of writing, this this brings me back to that point that, in my mind anyway, is there. When you think about communication, you essentially end up at initially sketching out ideas in a written form. Um, in a sense, and this, this will be controversial to some people, I believe, the writing is the content. It sounds a little bit like the, the medium is the message in a sense. Um, but the writing is like if you're putting together a, a short film or a PowerPoint presentation, or a speech, or obviously a text of any form, or even some web content that you want to put up, doesn't it pretty much always start out, and often enough still, sketched out on paper um, as words? It starts off with, I mean, that is your content. You can't, even with the best gizmos and electronic doodads, you can't make something that lacks that written base become something that's going to be presentable and at the same time, mean, meaningful. Yeah. So I think you, to go back to your idea of, of writing as kind of the heart of it, I, I think that, yeah, writing is the center of all of that stuff. And it all does start off with writing um, and sketching out and thinking about and putting your ideas down onto paper, a computer, um, you know, a pad, you know, something where you're actually doing that work of writing, um, you know, as the center of kind of so much of communication. Um, I think of, you know, everybody who has like a LinkedIn profile, right? You have to create a, a bio for that. Um, and that's writing. And people who have a website, you have to create content for that. And that's writing. Um, people who are communicating on, on Twitter um, or Instagram, right? You have writing there as well. So you're writing all the time. Um, and it is really at the center of, of so much of what we do for communication. Yeah, and that's and that's just the thing. It's it's it, it, this is what you're saying in connection with first year composition, is that that definition of writing would really be better expanded. I mean, take a billboard on the side of the road, yeah, some some sort of very catchy picture, and there's a five word text underneath. Okay, now what makes this billboard effective is of course the combination. But somebody might think easily, well, I'll just remove the five words. It's still going to be, you know, you see the logo, you know, it's Nike or whatever it happens to be, right? But I think very many people would be shocked as to how much it loses in effectiveness just by the lack of those five words down there. And that, I think, might be an image for people to understand, aha, okay, so that's also writing. The things I happen to be staring at in my cereal box at the morning, <laughs> those couple words on the front page are also writing. I mean, these things all belong to writing. And, and I suppose I, I wonder, and this is a question definitely uh, worth asking you, who is much closer to this. I wonder if either first-year composition doesn't need to be expanded in certain ways 
reformed or maybe not done. I don't know. What do you think? I think there is a really important place for that first year composition course, um, because I think that it it centers how important writing is. And it actually is a a really good marker for success um, for later in college as well. So those first year composition courses are really telling, I think, for for how successful students will be um, in college. And I think really kind of centers how important communication is. One area that I think there is opportunity to reform is how we think of those first year composition courses and um, what they're supposed to do. Um, so that could be tying them closer to um, to the disciplines. It could be um, tying them closer to um, you know other forms of communication. Um, so it could be some reimagining of those first year courses, which I think many institutions are already doing. And there's wonderful people in the field of composition who are who are reimagining and re-envisioning what those courses can be like to make sure that they are, in fact, um, setting students up for success later in college in other forms of communication. Um, I think back to you know my time at Michigan State University, where the courses there, the first year composition courses there were all about being able to reflect on the writing process. So it was all about thinking about the process of writing. How do you become a successful writer? And that could be transferred then into many different disciplines. So I think it just depends on, on kind of what institution you're at in, how, in terms of how effective that first year composition courses will be. But I think there is certainly um, there is certainly a lot of importance that goes along with them. And I think there is a lot that students can get out of them. You, you bring up the key word transfer and transferable. And this is, of course, something that's on very many people's minds when they're in education, transferable skills and how to basically how to transmit them so that uh, students are in the position to expand uh, their skill repertoire. Um, the example there in Michigan is, is a good one. So focusing on process allows you to expand your process from one genre to the next genre to the next genre. Um, maybe... In, in, in your context uh, at Iowa State, what, in your opinion, are the things that need to be shown either at the center itself or in a first-year composition? And what are the things that you can expect then people to be able to learn on their own? Yeah, one of the things we talk about a lot in in our writing center is the idea of transferable skills. Um, so if somebody brings in... Um, you know, a, a form of writing that they're unfamiliar with, our consultants will work with them to think about, you know, what's the type of writing you've done before? How does that transfer and work to this um, new skill? Um, or, you know, maybe somebody's bringing in something from a first year writing course saying, I, I don't know what to do with this. This is a new genre for me that I did not encounter in high school. And so our consultants can work with them to think about like, okay, so what do you know? And, and most students know like a five paragraph essay. Um, and we can start from that base and then start thinking about what are the transferable skills that go into a larger essay, um, something more complex. And then it becomes kind of that five paragraph essay becomes a, a 15 paragraph essay where the first paragraph is still the same. The last paragraph is the same. Um, but instead of three middle paragraphs, you have 12 or 13. Right. So it's thinking about, um, you know, how do you take skills that people have already learned and know and help them to think about them in a new, um, a new genre or a new form of writing. You've mentioned here also the consultation or uh, tutoring. Um, this is, I think, at the core of pretty much any writing center's work, uh, the peer tutor and the one-to-one work uh, that goes on on a person's writing project. Um, 
perhaps also for listeners who aren't so familiar um, with uh, writing center work, and there'll be a few for sure out there. So feel free to back us up a couple of steps. Why is it that this method seems so effective over other possible methods? Um, I'll just name a few that come to mind. So either classroom instruction, where you've got a larger group, or a sort of correction service, where then the text gets handed back in some other form or with commentary, or even other sorts of materials, if we think now of the internet with explainer videos or something along those lines. What, what is it that stands out in the consultation or the tutoring method? I think there's a lot that, it, that stands out in the one-on-one or even a group consultation method. Um, I think one is um, having that peer-to-peer interaction. So when we think of um, you know, a student learning in a classroom, there's often a lot of power dynamics. Um, the teacher is grading their work. Um, in this situation, it's lower stakes. It's not being graded. Um, it's not being, um, you know, they're not coming in there without, with that power differential as great as it is in the classroom. Um, and some students just really react well to working with peers. Um, and then on top of that, you know, we often think of how much time it takes to do this kind of one-on-one instruction. And we recognize that sometimes teachers don't have that time to be able to do the one-on-one instruction that students require. Um, I think of, you know, if every student came to um, the writing center from a, a 300 person class, you know, that's 300 hours and the writing center can do that and has the capacity for that, but an individual teacher does not. So the individual teacher has to think about how do they shape a message for all of their students. Um, And the writing center can think of how do we shape a message for each individual student. Um, When you talk about correction services, you know, I think that, that those don't help the student to learn anything. A lot of what goes on in our consultations is about collaboration and the collaborative learning process. So we talk about that we want to make the student a better writer and a communicator, but we also want to make sure that whatever the student's working on is also improved. So we're all about the product, the process, and the student who's coming to work with us. Um, And then you mentioned online materials. And I think that these are things that writing centers are actually doing a lot of work to develop and we're accelerated because of the pandemic. I know our writing center um, offers something like 10 or 15 videos um, about the writing process, about um, plagiarism, about how to use evidence well, um, about um, how to create an introduction, a conclusion, paragraph. So writing centers are moving into those spaces that are more asynchronous for students. Um, but that bread and butter for writing centers is continually that one-on-one collaborative, um, intimate process of working with a student to improve their writing. And the great thing is that that student can come back again and again for that same piece of writing, or they can come with different uh, aspects with different genres or different papers or, um, you know, different, um, you know, forms of communication that they're working on. And so it's something that we have the capacity to do hours and hours of work, that individual work with each student that instructors might not have. One of the foundational methods of, um, peer tutoring or consultation generally is often called the non-directive method. So a 
a way of not really actually getting one's hand into the text and allowing the other person to see how best to put his or her hand into the text. And I think that's some of what you're just describing now as, as one of the outcomes of, of good consultation. Um, I wonder, though, what I would like to perhaps uh, go a little bit more into detail into how the consultations look, how good tutoring works, also the training that's involved for tutors to be able to uh, carry out this quite uh, advanced set of of skills in consulting. And um, I wonder in the non-directive method, how it is that one as the consultant sort of how do, how do you achieve that? I mean, I, I've heard, for instance, Kit Nichols, who, who spoke here, he's the director of the writing center at uh, Cooper Union in New York. He said that actually one of the best things that can be going on in um, a session of consultation is is when he hears one of his, his tutors saying, write that down. Or asking lots of questions, for example. I mean, he, he gives these as sort of the I say the apex of what's actually happening. So I suppose what I'm getting at is how, how, how is it that, first off, whether or not you agree, but also if you do, or whatever your definition of the apex of a, of a consultation is, how is it that you get people into that? Uh, ab- how do you give them that ability? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think to address the idea that indirect tutoring, I think the indirect method shouldn't be kind of the, the, the highest example of what writing centers do. I think the indirect method is merely one tool among a large toolbox that writing consultants can use during a consultation. So during a consultation, at one moment, you might be asking questions in that indirect method, but then in another, you might be being very direct and explaining something and saying, no, no, that's not a thesis. This is how you write a thesis right? And being much more direct. So I think that, you know, I don't want to put writing centers into one method because I think that that limits the amount of tools available for writing centers to be able to use. And so ultimately writing centers should be able to use any of those tools and strategies um, that they have um, to be able to, to do, um, to be able to work with a student, to be able to get the best out of it. Some students don't really respond well to an indirect method. Some students respond better to directive methods. Um, and, and, and you know, to do the reverse of that, some students don't really respond well to direct methods and might respond better to indirect. And then sometimes during a consultation, you might use direct and indirect methods throughout that consultation. So I don't think we wanna just say that writing centers are limited or kind of should focus on one method over another. To that idea of, of how do we train students um, at Iowa State University in our writing and media center, we actually have a lot of rigorous training for students that includes um, a course that they take. Um, and they also do onboarding along with that course. So as they're taking this course, they're also doing um, an interview with an experienced consultant to talk to them about um, the consulting process. Um, they're doing um, observations and reflecting on them. They're doing co-consulting and reflecting on them and lead consulting and reflecting on them. In addition to that, we also have required um, pedagogy trainings that they go to throughout the semester. Um, so two of these trainings, we have four trainings each semester and two are required. Um, and then we have um, our staff meetings where we do additional training um, as well. So we really think of this training process as something that um, 
is an onboarding process. And then once consultants are onboarded or tutors are onboarded, we then think of the next part of that process, which is continued training. Um, and so we're always thinking of ways to continue our training and to continue to work with our consultants on kind of the best methods or to work on, um, you know, some sort of aspect of pedagogy that is continually coming to the center or to be able to improve their skills. So for example, one of our last pedagogy trainings was on how to work with um, disciplinary specific writing and um, graduate level writing. Um, and so we're able to kind of continually work with our students um, on how to be, um, you know, on, on different strategies and different ideas and different knowledge that they can deploy in consultations when working with people. This continual training sounds a lot to me like the sort of daily life of any uh, writing professional, somebody who's in EAP, English for Academic Purposes, or some other variation of, of writing studies and, and working at a writing center or working in perhaps a writing across a curriculum or in discipline programs. Um, because, I mean, aren't we a sort of interdisciplinary field by nature? Aren't we always sort of picking up the tools that we can find wherever to do the unexpected tasks that's coming in next through the door? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, writing centers are writing centers, writing center studies as a field, I think is relatively new. Um, compared to some other disciplines. And so anywhere where we can um, pick up ideas or, um, you know, cross disciplines or be interdisciplinary um, are, are great opportunities for writing centers to be able to connect with um, and draw on knowledge outside of that field of writing center studies. I'd like to still look a little bit more behind uh, the doors of the writing center and, and understand the training and understand the tutors and the people who are there and what's actually happening. Also, for listeners' sakes, um, maybe, maybe starting off with the uh, typical person who comes in to become then a, a writing tutor, peer tutor for other students, um, are there any let's say, commonalities. I mean, could could one say in a cliche type way that this entry level trainee has some affinity to writing, has definitely, uh, you know, a knack for it or a love for it? Yeah, I think that that has to be the really key um, kind of trait of, of a typical person who's working in a writing center is that, first of all, they have to really like and be well-versed in communication. Um, they are often also, um, you know, enthusiastic about working with peers um, and, and really want to work with their peers. Um, and then I think the other thing is that, um, you know, a lot of people, one of the typical traits of, of, of writing, center, um, writing center tutors um, is that they are just really great. I mean, I, I don't know how to describe it other than like they are often the best of the best at an institution in terms of their leadership, um, their desire for professional development, um, their, um, their, their vision, um, their work ethic. Um, you know, we often think of people who are writing center um, tutors, when they go out for interviews, they often get asked about their writing center work um, because people know that those are going to be good employees. So 
there's a lot to be said for the students who come in um, and who work at writing centers. And I, I really think from my experiences that they are some of the best students at the institution um, and some of the kind of hardest working, um, ethical, um, you know, interesting um, and dedicated uh, people. Well, this sort of brings us right around to uh, that question of the place of, of writing in a person's studies or occupation. Um, I've often heard it said by very many people, Josh uh, Schibble is one who immediately comes to mind in his book, uh, Writing Science. Um, he says, is it by chance that the best scientists seem to be the best writers as well? And he flat out answers no, um, because that's also how science gets known. And that that's part, I mean, literally part of what makes you then that best scientist. And, and what you're saying here is, is again, much of the same. And in fact, the, the people who seem to gravitate towards this work are the people who, who have that, 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 let's say, connection, that, that, that understanding that the knowledge and its communication are one in the same step. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and then they, they also come in and, and they get to improve in those areas over time. So they might come in as, as good communicators, but then they leave as excellent communicators across many more disciplines and genres and areas of understanding. Um, I think of when I, I think of my, my time at Case Western Reserve University where I taught um, professional communication for engineers. And one of the things that I would tell them is that um, you know, communication is so important. And if you are good at communicating, you'll become the supervisor, the boss, the entrepreneur. Um, you'll be in charge of things and of people. And if you're not good at communicating, that's okay. It just means you won't have some of these doors open for you. Um, and so the people who are really good at communicating, who buy into the importance of communicating, end up being in better positions to have doors open for them. To, to go once more back into the consulting situation, uh, whether it's peer tutoring or if it's by staff at the, the writing center, just again so that we can get like a real close-up view as to how it works and, and the processes that are going on for both ends, the, the consultant and also the writer. What would, in your mind, and this is, I'm sure, something that comes up in very many of your training sessions as well, in your mind be some of the indications that a particular session is going well or not going well, or even a series of sessions, maybe one person's project over course of weeks is either going well or not going well? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think that there are so many different indicators based on an individual consultation about whether they're going well or not. But I think that there are some kind of common moves that go into making a good session. And I think one of those is um, rapport, developing a rapport with the student. Um, and so the best sessions often have people who um, are able to ask questions, even if it's just like, hey, how's your day going? Oh, I saw it was, you know, it was snowing this morning. You could say, oh, you know, how was it coming in through the snow? Um, how was your drive in? Um, how's your how's your class going? Like asking these kind of basic questions um, can really help establish a rapport um, and help build that trust. Um, the next thing I'd be looking for in a successful session um, 
is asking questions about the writing that they're bringing in or the form of communication they're bringing in. So for example, you know, did they ask to see the prompt? Is there a grading rubric? Um, do they have additional information about you know, the scholarship essay that they're working on? Um, and asking those questions. And then the next one would be to develop together an agenda for the consultation. And then working on that agenda. And then at the end, you know, saying and kind of wrapping up that session in a productive way to say like, hey, you know, we worked on our agenda. We got these three things done. There's still two more left. Let's make you another appointment so that we can work on those last two things. And so rather than, you know, having a commonality of what every successful session looks like, I would look for commonalities in terms of what are some of the things that go into making that a good session um, so that the student feels, you know, feels like they... Um, got what they wanted out of that session. And I think that having some of those moves is really going to be helpful for that. It's interesting because that that really is the basis of good learning, what you're describing there. Because, I mean, motivation comes from the right emotions. And it would very much seem to be say you would very much seem to be saying unless i'm simplifying this is that the good consultant really just takes the project and the person doing the project as seriously as they do themselves in in short they care is is that same fair enough summary absolutely and i think that you know writing is such a a personal um such a personal thing and, and it's something that people have a lot of emotions around like i can remember um when i was growing up and and i asked my dad to look at something that i had in writing and and he critiqued it you know in a really positive way but i just was so frustrated by that process and 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 i i had just kind of a what i would call like an overreaction to the critique of my writing. So there's something so personal about writing. And it's often something that people are writing about their emotions, they're writing about their experiences. Um, you know, it's often being graded and judged. And so for students, you know, it's there's so much wrapped up in the writing process that that sometimes they just want somebody to and they need somebody to to validate what they're going through and to be able to help them go through this kind of very sometimes fraught process of, of writing um, and this very personal and intimate process of writing. So I think it, I think, yes, you know, as you say, like people just want to be recognized and, and valued and to, to be told that, that they're important and that their, their feelings are their feelings and, and they're okay to have them. There seems to be something universal in that. And, and I know that you uh, teach a high-level English course on um, writing center theory and practice. So perhaps something also that you can uh, expand upon a bit there, this, this idea that, uh, yes, there are emotions involved. There's something personal in writing. And, I mean, this, again, expands out to maybe the web page that you've created or uh, – the, the outline of the presentation that you want to hold and you put in front of a person, or even the presentation itself. Um, but if we come back to the, the basic scenario of a text that you've written and you, you, you put that out there for somebody to read, I've experienced just what you've uh, said also in the sciences, where it was an experimental protocol and ha had no tie to the person's <laughs> childhood, if you like, <laughs> um, or very indirectly. <laughs> and I, I wonder if it isn't something about the idea that there's a level of exposure, there's a level of objectification that goes on when a text is created, because something that was intimate and internal 
whether it is scientific knowledge or your remembrance of a summer holiday, has now become literally something out there. And people now can look at it from all sides. And I mean, if that's true, which I'd very much like to hear (laughs) what you have to say about, then clearly, yeah, there is a sensitivity because you don't have it anymore, right? And the other person does. Yeah, absolutely. I think that if there's something... You know, when you're writing, you're kind of exposing yourself, whether it's exposing personal experiences, your research, um, you know, your your ideas, and you're putting it out there for critique. And that's why it's so hard to do that. There's so much kind of wrapped up in the composition process because of that. Um, and I think that, that that goes back to that importance of like developing rapport within those consultations of, of asking questions, of getting to know the people that, you know, you're working with um, to be able to create that trust, to be able to say like, I trust you to look at this thing, which I have a lot of importance wrapped up in and to provide feedback on that um, in a productive way. And so there's a lot of trust that goes on within that, uh, within those consultations. And there's a lot of kind of leaving yourself open and being vulnerable within that. So I guess, as you're saying, you know, writing, any sort of writing is a kind of vulnerable process. One last point that uh, I, I would be remiss of me not to bring this up, considering uh, the current uh, continuing COVID crisis, is the, uh, especially in, in, in light of this yeah, personal rapport, is the in-person versus the online consultation. Um, Very briefly, I can say that much of my experience with the online has been with STEM writers and has actually been extremely positive because what I've found anyway is that the text uh, sort of finds itself in the center of the discussion slightly more. And if done right, the online, the, uh, the electronic communication allows for enough personality, enough talk, enough uh, support, um, even emotional, for that text to stay in the center, if you like. It, 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 it makes objective anyway, has been my experience, what needs to be objective. Yeah, I, I think that that's a great question about kind of, you know, how we can shift and, and kind of move and, and be responsive to, especially during COVID times that we've been living through. Pre-COVID, our writing center did Google Docs um, as our, our online method. And then during COVID, we actually greatly expanded our online resources to include video and document sharing, um, as well as a Dropbox option, which is an asynchronous option where um, students were able to um, send us their, basically send us their um, communication or their paper, we would take a half hour or an hour to look at it. And then we would send it back to them um, with some ideas, suggestions and thoughts. And one of the things that that we had to really kind of challenge ourselves to do and to think about both administratively and um, on the consulting level is how do you continue to um, create rapport when you're doing a Dropbox option, when you're not even talking to the person? How do you create rapport in a Google Doc? where you can't see the person or hear them? And then how do you create rapport um, through a video, um, a video camera? And so those were kind of things that we had to really sit down and and use some staff time and our staff meetings um, as a group to think about how to continue to not just center the text, um, but also to center um, 
you know, the, those things that make writing centers so important, the collaborative process, um, the rapport, the building trust, um, the vulnerability. Um, and so that's something that we really had to think about. And the nice thing is that um, as we kind of transition more fully to being um, in person is that we are keeping those online methods um, for our students and for people to use who either don't feel comfortable coming in in person um, or who have found that they actually really like these other methods better. I'm curious, uh, I mean, this mix is what very many people are talking about now, um, because uh, the crisis forced us to learn something in, in some ways, which seems to be very much what you're reporting on there as well. I'm curious, though, for perhaps an example of how it was through any of the various online methods that you've mentioned, that personal connection was, was still maintained or was created. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think we talked about this, especially in terms of the Dropbox option, which is asynchronous. Um, and we talked about having um, kind of an introductory comment. Um, if we're thinking like a Word document, having an introductory comment um, that kind of builds that rapport that says, hello, here's what this, you know, here's how this consultation will work. Um, and then thinking about both, um, you know, kind of textual remarks that you can make throughout and then doing like a summary of those remarks at the end. That way students were able to, um, or people who use that option were able to have a different, couple of different varieties or different forms of communication um, even within that Dropbox option. Um, and so that's something that we really had to think about and engage with as a group because um, it is so hard to, to kind of mimic those, um, those opportunities. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Um, one other thing uh, concerning writing centers uh, and, and and this podcast in general is, is is I'm always interested in getting a conversation started. I like to hear from people who are on the inside what it is that they're thinking, where it is that they hope things might be going, and uh, what has changed that they would like to see. So. I would like to also, of course, give you uh, as a director of Writing Center in America that opportunity to consider just for a moment all of the different participants who, who uh, belong to a writing center in, in, in its broadest sense. I mean, from the administrators and directors and the university, the faculty, of course, down to the students, the ones seeking support or the ones uh, giving peer tutoring and so on. Um, your center even reaches out to the community um, uh, around uh, in, in Iowa. I guess what I'm asking is, what is it that to any one of these groups you would like to be able to say so that your work could improve or even the other way around that you would like to express gratitude toward because your work has improved? That's a great question. I think for for us, you know, I, I think we want to say to all groups that that we are ready and willing collaborators. I think that's one of the greatest things about writing centers is is that they want to work with everybody, right? So, so if somebody from the STEM field comes in and says like, I, I wanna work with the writing center to improve my students' writing, writing centers will often say, yes, that, that's great. We can help, we can do something, let's collaborate. So I think that one thing I would say to all of these stakeholders is the writing center is willing to collaborate with you um, and to work with you to make sure that um, the people who are part of your organization or your unit or your department um, or your community um, can become more effective communicators. 
Um, and then the other thing that I, I think of is that you know, we do a lot at our center in thinking about how do we um, create different programs that can connect with all these stakeholders. So I would encourage these stakeholders to, to look at your center to see what they offer. So our center um, really began by offering those one-on-one and group consultations. But over time, we've started to do workshops and presentations by request. Um, we have undergraduate and graduate writing retreats. We have writing groups. We have a community writing center, a professional workshop series. Um, we do stuff with Night Against Procrastination. And we also have a, a speaker series that brings in people from throughout the community. So the other thing I would say to these stakeholders is that um, you know, writing centers are doing a lot of interesting things. You know, Just check them out to see you know, what you might be interested in. It's not just those one-on-one and group consultations, but you know, we often offer a ton of different services. Well, thank you very much for that, uh, Joseph. That is Joseph Cheadle. He is the director of the Writing and Media Center at Iowa State University. I'm Daniel Shea, and this is goodbye from me to Joseph. Goodbye. Thank you, Daniel. And this is goodbye to all of you. Bye-bye, and until next time here on Scholarly Communication.